Hello, everybody. Merry Christmas. Tim Harlow warned me y'all be a little strange like that. He, he, he was right. My, my name's Tim Sullivan. I'm one of the guys that speaks here. You can call me the other Tim. Uh, here's where we start today. What would you call somebody who had more money than Bill Gates and Warren Buffett, who had written more songs, composed more songs than Bob Dylan and the Beatles, who wrote something on, on romance and sexual love that people read more often than anything that was ever written by Jackie Collins and Danielle Steele, and more people look to this person for advice than Dear Abby and Dr. Phil combined. What would you call somebody like that? I don't, busy? <laughs> Somebody said Oprah. <laughs> That's funny right there. I do the jokes, okay? Um, no, somebody else said it. Bible calls him Solomon. Solomon. Welcome to, to the next chapter of the story. And what the story is about is something that a lot of folks don't know. The story is about how, how the Bible from beginning to end is one continuous story of God putting his family and all creation back together. And in this week's chapter of the story, we're learning about the, the man called Solomon, or as he's known for this weekend, the king who had it all. Here's how we get from David. Last weekend we talked about David, the week before or two. David, you know, King David, David and Goliath, you know, the, the little guy with, with the big God. Here's how we get from David to Solomon. This is from, from 1 Kings chapter 2. Uh, I'll read it from the Bible and you can read along on the screen uh, to yourself if you want. When the time drew near for David to die, he gave a charge to Solomon, his son. I'm about to go the way of all the earth, he said. So be strong, act like a man, and observe what the Lord your God requires. Walk in obedience to him and keep his decrees and commands. Do this so that you may prosper in all you do and wherever you go, and you will never fail to have a successor on the throne. So David, as we talked about last weekend, even, even though he messed up, Big time. David was a great king. The greatest king his country had ever seen. And Solomon is his son. But Solomon didn't become the king who had it all by inheriting it all. That's not how it happened. Uh, it, here's, here's how it happened. The verse will be on the screen. God, God appears to Solomon in a dream. And he says, ask for whatever you want. Anything at all. And I'll give it to you. That's an interesting test right there, isn't it? I mean, if, if you were uh, given that option, what would you ask for? I mean, really? I know, right? It kind of reminds me of this, this guy. This guy went walking into a diner one day. Kind of ordinary looking guy. But he comes walking in and he's followed by an ostrich. And he sits down at the counter and he orders this, his food. And he eats his food. And while he eats his food, the ostrich stands there right by him. And he eats his food, and the waitress brings him his check, and it's $8.49. And, and uh, the guy reaches in his pocket, pulls out a wad of, uh, 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 of bills and, and uh, uh, change, and slaps it down on the counter, and walks out, and the ostrich follows right behind him. Waitress counts the money. It's $8.49 plus 15% tip. Exactly. Uh, next, next day, same thing comes, and same guy comes walking in. 
ostrich falling right behind him, sits down. He orders something completely different. And so this check, this time his check is like $10.16. Stands up once again, reaches in his pocket, uh, pulls out a wad of bills and change, slaps it down on the, on the counter. $10.16 plus 15% tip. Exactly. He didn't even look at it. And a uh, third day happens again, and, but, but this uh, in different amount. And this, this time his bill was like $9.79. And he reaches in his pocket, you know, like, wad of bills, Jay slaps it down, $9.79 plus 15% tip. Exactly. They didn't even look at it. And the waitress, she just has to know. And she says, she says, I don't mean to pry, sir, but how do you do that? I mean, you just pull money out of your pocket and it's always the exact amount, the exact right amount to the penny. How do you do that? And he says, well, since you asked, I'll tell you. Years ago, I was walking along the beach and I came, I, I found this old lamp and it was kind of rusty and so I polished it up. And when I was polishing up, a genie popped out of it and the genie said, you, I'll, I'll grant you two wishes. So, uh, uh, so one thing I asked for was that I would always have the exact amount of money that I needed in my pocket at all times. And she went, wow, that's brilliant. I mean, you could have asked for billions of dollars, but that wouldn't have been as smart because you can lose billions or you could, you could, you could invest it poorly or you could waste it and then you'd be out. Wow, but, but this way you'll always, you can always buy whatever you want because you've got the money in your pocket. Just, just like that. That is so smart. You are brilliant. And he goes, well... I'm not, I'm not that smart. I mean, the other thing I asked for was a chick with long legs who'd never leave me. <laughs> See, is the ostrich thing. Yeah, oh well. Anyhow, be careful what you ask for. Just be, just be careful what you ask for. And Solomon is careful what he asks for. And, and, and look what he says to the Lord. He says that this. He says, now Lord my God, you have made your servant king in the place of my father David. So give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people. Of all the, think about it now, of all the things he could have asked about, he asked for a discerning heart to govern the people. What's that about? A discerning heart. Well, the next verse tells us exactly what's that about. It says this. It says the Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked for wisdom. See, a discerning heart is wisdom. Because you have asked for wisdom, the Lord said, in governing my people with justice and have not asked for a long life or wealth or the death of your enemies, I'll give you what you asked for. I'll give you a wise and understanding heart such as no one else and I will also give you what you did not ask for, riches and fame. No other king in all the world be compared to you for the rest of your life. And see, that's how Solomon became the king who had it all. He asked for, when God says, you can have anything you want. He asked for wisdom. And God gives him wisdom. And he shows it right away. As soon as he becomes king, these two women come to him to settle their case. They, the Bible says they were two prostitutes. Now remember that. We'll come back to that. They were two prostitutes. And there's two women and, and one baby. And, and, and they're arguing over whose baby this is. You might have heard this. It's a real famous story. And the one says, that, that's my baby. She, she took my baby. And the, and the other one says, no, th this, this is my baby. Her, 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 her baby died in the night. And, 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 and she's saying that this one is hers. But they, and they're like back and forth, you know, tugging on, on, this, on this baby. And how Solomon, Solomon checked and he knew that they both had a baby yesterday. And, and, and you know. So Solomon says, uh, bring me a sword. 
kind of an unorthodox thing to say in such a situation. He says, bring me a sword. I'll, 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 cut the, I'll cut this baby boy in half and give half to each of you since y'all can't decide. Now, Solomon wasn't really going to do that. But see, they didn't know that because he was new to this whole, he was new king on the throne. And, and so it, it, immediately one of the women says, go ahead, serves her right. And the other one says, no, 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 your majesty, please, please don't do that. Let her have him, just let him live. And just like that, he knew whose baby it was. He knew whose baby it was. And it's interesting. Here's why it matters that these two women were prostitutes. See, nobody cared about prostitutes. Nobody cared that they got justice. Nobody cared what happened to their babies, but Solomon did. Because the wisdom he asked for, he asked for wisdom, not just for himself, but wisdom that would bless the lives of other people. He wanted justice for all the people, including those who everybody else looked down on and despised and rejected. That's the kind of wisdom Solomon had. That's the kind of king he was. And word gets out that Solomon has... has uh, uh, meted out justice this way with, with these two women. And you know, they didn't have the internet in those days, I'm pretty sure, but the story just goes viral. Everybody's talking about, wow, did you hear how Solomon settled that case? And uh, Solomon is just uh, a great, wise king. And his kingdom flourishes and expands. Look what, look what the story says, look what the Bible says. The people of Israel this is 1 Kings 4, 20 and 21. The people of Israel were as numerous as the sand on the seashore. They ate, they drank, and they were happy. And Solomon ruled over all the kingdoms from the Euphrates River to the land of the Philistines as far as the border of Egypt. Now this sounds just like kind of detail, but, 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 but don't skip over this. This is super important. This is how the story of Solomon intersects with the story of the Bible. As you might have remembered, we studied this weekends ago. Centuries and centuries before, God had promised a guy by the name of Abraham that he would have so many descendants, that he would have as many descendants as there were sands on the seashore. And Abraham was the great, 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 great grandfather of Solomon. And so the promises of God are coming true. And God had promised Abraham that he would have the entire land of Canaan. So when it talks about the borders of Solomon's kingdom, this is the promises of God coming true. And this is important right here. 1 Kings 4, 20 and 21. This is the highest point that Israel as a, as a nation will ever achieve. This is what the people of God would look back upon as their great shining moment. See, from a human perspective, Solomon was at the top, both nationally and internationally. Next verse, look what it says. God gave Solomon, there's that word again, wisdom, and very great insight and a breadth of understanding as measureless as the sand of the seashore. Solomon's wisdom was greater than the wisdom of all the people of the east and greater than all the wisdom of Egypt. In those days, wisdom was seen, you know, the wisest people were in the, were in the east or in, and in Egypt. And it was saying that, that Solomon was the, was the wisest man in the whole world. And, and it goes on and even uh, gives some more detail about how wise he was. Look, what, look at the next part. It says this. It says, He was wiser than anyone else, including Ethan, Ethan the Ezraite, wiser than Haman, Calcol, and Darda, the sons of Mahal. You know who those guys are? Me neither. 
No idea. None whatsoever. But apparently they were like the wisest people in the world. Until the king who had it all came along. And Solomon becomes legendary for his wisdom. Not just within the kingdom but, but, but th throughout the whole known world. Verse 34. People of all nations came to listen to Solomon's wisdom. Sent by all the kings of the world who would heard of his wisdom. And, and again don't miss this either. Here's the connect between Solomon's story and the larger story. God had said to Abraham. Solomon's great 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 grandfather. He, he said all the peoples of the earth are going to be blessed through you. Folks, we've got to understand this about the story. We cannot understand this, the Bible. We cannot understand the story unless we understand this. God's people are never chosen for their own sake. But always for the sake of the world that God loves. God's people are never blessed for their own sake. Just for their own sake. They're blessed so the world can be blessed through them. And so what's happening with Solomon right now, maybe you can see it, the whole world is coming. The whole world is coming to the people of God. So the eyes of the whole world are on Israel. They finally have this opportunity to fulfill the Abrahamic blessing that God is going to bless them and through blessing them, he's going to bless the whole world. The question is, will they? Well, over and over, God says to Solomon and to the people that my blessing will be on you. As you continue, if you continue to live in the wisdom that I've given you. See, what we got to understand, y'all, is that the wisdom of Solomon is Solomon's great legacy. He did some other very extremely important things in his life, but his wisdom is his legacy. And we have in the Bible, as you're reading along in the Bible, you'll be reading along stuff that's, that's a lot of story and a lot of history. Then all of a sudden, you'll, you'll just be on the book of Proverbs. And, 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 and they're right in the book of Proverbs is the wisdom, the collected wisdom uh, of Solomon. Look what, what uh, it says in the wisdom of Solomon, the book of Proverbs, chapter 1, verse 7. The fear of the Lord, now, let's be real, pause, fear doesn't mean like, ooh, I'm scared of God. No, fear of the Lord means, means deep awe and reverence and respect, you know, like, you know, bowing down before him, man, God, you're, you're amazing. It's devotion. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but, it, but fools despise wisdom. Now we got to understand, if we're going to understand the story and understand the king who had it all, Solomon, we have to understand what wisdom is. Got to understand wisdom. What is it? Any Jeff Foxworthy fans in the house? If you, Jeff Foxworthy, he, he has that thing, the redneck dictionary, where, he, where he'll use a word in a sentence, like uh, one of my favorites is the one where he, where he says, initiate. My sister-in-law ate three cheeseburgers initiate a whole bag of chips yeah. well wisdom is in, is in the redneck dictionary and, and, and Jeff Foxworthy says this he says my brother had two kidney stones but he whizzed them out oh, that's, that's bad that's, that's bad I'm sorry I, apolo I apologize for that there Lord and I'm sorry 
But it's important because what is wisdom? See, we confuse wisdom with information. We live in an information age. We have information accumulated more and more rapidly than ever before in human history. It's coming at us at all, you know, from everywhere, cell phones and everything, all the time, all this information coming at us. But information, you can have all the information in the world and still not have wisdom. And we can confuse wisdom with education. You can have the highest IQ, you can have been to school and have all these degrees, PhDs, and still not have wisdom. Did you ever know anybody like that? Somebody who, was, who knew all this intricate stuff and had maybe some fancy initials after their name, but when it came to making certain decisions in their life, they're just dumber than a sack of hammers. Wisdom is not information. Wisdom is not education. Wisdom is the ability to discern what the best, most constructive, most God-honoring, life-enhancing course of action is in real-life situations. Wisdom is primarily the ability to make God-honoring, life-producing decisions. And as you see in Proverbs 1-7, the opposite of wisdom is, is being foolish. But I gotta understand what foolishness is. Foolishness is not like, oops, you know, my bad. Foolishness isn't like that. Fo uh, and, and foolishness isn't about being somebody who has a not particularly high IQ or not a lot of book learning. Uh, foolish people aren't necessarily ignorant. Foolishness, folly, as it's called in the book of Proverbs, folly is primarily a problem of the will, not the brain. And see, we got to understand that folly is a serious thing. Folly is rebellion against God. Folly is spiritual blindness and personal irresponsibility. It's a, it's a special kind of stupidity that has nothing to do with book learning or information. Folly is failing to grasp what's wise. And, it, and, it, and it's stupid because it never leads us to what we hope for. So in the book of Proverbs, there's all these sayings about what's wise on the one hand and what's folly on the other. What the wise person does on the one hand and what the fool does on the other. But it's not just some like little casual collection of sayings. Proverbs is an urgently important book. The wisdom of Solomon is an urgently important book. And here's what we got to understand. Wisdom leads to life and flourishing. While folly leads to destruction and just pain. Proverbs is an urgently important book. The stakes are so high in Proverbs, but, but Proverbs has a way of saying it in, 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 in this brilliant kind of poetic, memorable way. Let me give you some, some samplings from the book of Proverbs, the wisdom of Solomon. These will not be on the screen. I'll just read them to you. And, and, and he's trying to impart the wisdom of the Lord in, in memorable ways. Here's a few. He who is kind to the poor lends to the Lord and he will reward him for what he's done. Proverbs 19.17 Better a meal of vegetables where there is love than a fattened calf with hatred. Proverbs 15.17 Harsh words are like a sword but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Proverbs 12.18 The fool holds his tongue to a metal pipe on a cold winter's day. Okay, I just put that one in there myself. 
That's actually the wisdom of Ralphie in Christmas Story. But you get the idea. The book of Proverbs. And, and you know, as you're reading along in the Bible and suddenly like, like you're at Proverbs, it, it looks like Proverbs has, has interrupted the narrative, the, the, the story. But God has put Proverbs where he's put it in the Bible for a very important, very significant theological reason. And that reason is this. People are stupid. And I mean, that's not all that we are, but it's a very important part of what we are. We all have a way of keep doing things that'll mess us up and not take us where we want to go. Ask any hot-tempered person. You know that thing you do where you get mad and fly off the handle and say stuff that you, that you later regret? Is that leading to the kind of relationships that you want? Ask any overcommitted, any overcommitted, you know, overextended person who can't say no. You know, is, is, your, is your frenzied, hurried, you know, exhausted lifestyle, is it producing in you the, the rivers of, of living water that Jesus said would well up in the hearts of his followers? Ask the, the alcoholic who's, who's not in recovery. You know, is your chronic drinking a good long-term bet? To produce a worthwhile life. See it's not the whole story about us. But we really do do stupid things. And we'll do them year after year. And not learn from it. And the truth is. Life is hard. And so much of the time. A lot of my pain. Comes from my own. Lack of wisdom. My, my, my own folly. Folly is a serious thing. When I was growing up in church, we used to sing a hymn. And the, and the first part of the hymn uh, just said, My Jesus, I love thee. I know thou art mine. For thee, all the folly of sin, I resign. Notice it doesn't say, for thee, all the wrong or the, spiritual, you know, the unspiritualness of sin I resign. No, it says, for, me, for, for thee, all the folly of sin I resign. Because, because, because sin is folly. It's foolishness. It's many things. It's rebellion against God. It's destructive. And, but most of all, it is, it is just unbelievably stupid because it never leads to life. Talk to anybody who gets uh, deeply enough into any particular kind of sin, you know, and, 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 and they feel out of control and addicted to it. I don't care whether it's financial, sexual, if it involves deceit, if it, if it has to do with mismanaged anger, you know, self-righteousness. It doesn't matter. The foolishness of sin leads to, to deadness. It's, it's, it can be terminally stupid. And Solomon's Proverbs, Solomon's wisdom are, are in the Bible to help us resign from the folly of sin and find life in all areas of life, in our families, in, in our finances, in, in our jobs, in, in our, our, our self-image, in our, in our faith, in our self-control, in how we relate to the poor, everything. Got to understand this, okay? God's wisdom leads to life and flourishing while sin's folly, if not resigned, leads to deadness and destruction. And we see this tragically in the life of Solomon, the wisest man up till then who, who had ever lived. At the beginning of Solomon's reign, 
Right? He's the wisest man in the world and things are going great. He's being blessed by God. His approval rating as king is just like, boom, it's like through the, the roof. Everything is set in his life for an incredible run of distinguished and, and, and world-changing significant service to God. But then right at the end, look where he winds up. 1 Kings 11.4 as Solomon grew old, his wives turned his heart after other gods, and his heart was not fully devoted to the Lord his God, as the heart of David his father had been. He followed Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Sidonians, and Molech, the detestable god of the Ammonites. Now before they take this off the screen, notice the difference between how Ashtoreth is described and how Molech is described. Here's what this is about. You can go ahead and take it down. Ashtoreth was a fertility goddess false god, pagan god, and following her in, in, involved uh, cultic prostitution, which is folly to say the least. But then it says that, that, he, that, he, that he also followed Molech, and then it says that Molech is the detestable god of the Ammonites. Now why is Ashtoreth just called Ashtoreth, goddess of the Sidonians, but, but, but Molech is called the detestable god of the Ammonites? Well, here's why that, that, you know, what is it about Molech? It's like, oh, that word has to be thrown in there. Here's what this is about. Molech was, was a god that, uh, a false god that was worshipped through human sacrifice. And it specifically included the sacrifice of one's own children. And Solomon, the king of God's people, has gotten involved in that? He's following Molech? Now, and, 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 and don't miss the, the, the tragic irony of this. I never realized this until I was working on this message for this weekend. So thanks for having me. I didn't know this. Think about this. Solomon begins his career with wisdom that restores a baby boy to his mother. And then his life as it draws to a close, he's gotten wrapped up in stuff that's taken babies away from their parents. I mean, Solomon, how, so ironic and so tragic. How could you do that, dude? How, how could you start out so well and then descend into that kind of epic folly? We, we all know how it is. Nobody ever sets out intentionally to wind up there. I mean, nobody ever wakes up in the morning and goes, Hmm, I think I'll screw up my life today. Solomon didn't. You and I don't. And, and, but, but here's how it happens. If you read the story of Solomon, you'll see how he went from so high to so, to so low. Look at 1 Kings 3, 3. Solomon showed his love for the Lord by walking according to the statutes of his father David, except that he offered sacrifices and burned incense on the high places. And the key there, folks, what's the operative word in that sentence? Except. Solomon showed love for the Lord by walking according to the statutes of, of his father David. Except. You wouldn't even need to know what comes after except because as soon as you hear the word except, you know he's in trouble. 
I mean, try this yourself. Go, in, go, go into work tomorrow and, and say to your boss, uh, boss, you know, you know my, my, my numbers for the quarter, I am confident that I am going to hit them. I am committed to hitting my numbers. Except, guys, try this at home. Say, say to your wife, you know, I love you and I promise to be faithful to you. Except, don't try that. Do, do not try this at home. It doesn't matter what you say after accept, does it? And, and here's, here's where the story of the king who had it all. I, my guess is nobody in this place today would say, man, I have it all. But, but whether you have it all or not, or wherever you fall in, in, in between, here's where the story of Solomon is your story and it's my story. The difference between wisdom and folly, the difference between flourishing and failing, the difference between the good that God wants for you and, and the destruction that the darkness wants to heap on you starts with the word accept. I'm a Christ follower except for when it comes to filling out expense reports. I'm a Christ follower except in how I keep going deeper and deeper in debt. I mean, Proverbs, this is a quote, Proverbs says, the borrower is the slave of the lender. I'm a Christ follower except for how I wouldn't talk to my non-Christian friends about Jesus if I had the chance. I'm a Christ follower except for how I've been treating my wife these days. I'm a Christ follower except for when it comes to what God says to do with my sexuality as a single person. I'm a Christ follower except for what I look at on the internet. I'll be real, real with you. When I, when I was in my 20s, which I admit is a pretty long time ago, but not nearly as long time ago as it was for Tim Harlow. When I was in my 20s, I, I used the word accept when it came to my thought life. I was living the life of a Christ follower, except for the lustful stuff going on up here that I rationalized and justified. See, Solomon's story is your story and, and, and my story if we don't get the, the just how crucial the word accept is. And I really hope you'll get something out of this this morning. I worked extra hard on this message, so please get something out of it, okay? Do it for me. No, listen, listen. We all do it. We all have places in our lives where we either, where we say either explicitly or implicitly accept. I'm a Christ follower, accept. Get something out of this today. Not out loud, but just in the privacy of your own heart in mind. What is your accept? I'm a Christ follower. Except for when I'm really mad. I'm a Christ follower except for the fact that I don't really do anything significant for the poor. I'm a Christ follower except for how I talk about people behind their back. I'm a Christ follower except I'm about to marry somebody who's not. And please don't misunderstand me. You did not come to the church this morning and, 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 and hear somebody urge you to, to just mess up less and be a better Christ follower. No, no, no. The point here is wisdom. Leading a life according to the wisdom, to the, to the words of somebody who's wiser than me, who can guide me toward a life of flourishing for myself and for those who know me. You've got to know this. You have to understand this. God wants you to flourish. He wants to bless you and he wants to bless the lives of everyone who knows you. Imagine a life where at the end of your life you could, everybody would say, I was blessed. Not that they liked it, but like going, man, God changed my life through that person. That's the kind of life that, 
down deep, it's what you want. You want a life that is blessed and is a blessing. You know you want it and it's what God wants for you too. That's what God's wisdom is all about. That's why God says the things that he says. Folks, we got to understand this. It's all over the place in the book of Proverbs. It's not just wrong to commit adultery. It's destructive. It's not just wrong to speak harshly and impulsively. It's destructive. It, it, it's not just wrong to gossip. It's destructive. It leads away from the life that your heavenly father wants you to have as his beloved child. So get something out of this today. Will you name your accept? What is it? What is your accept? But I know what somebody's thinking. How is this a Christmas message? He, he didn't say anything about Mary, Joseph, or baby Jesus one single time. I'm getting there. I'm getting there. Look what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 12 verse 42. He's teaching a bunch of people. He's teaching the, uh, the, the masses and the multitude. And he's casting out demons and he's performing miracles. And he, and he says, one greater than Solomon is here. And when he said one greater than Solomon is here, his listeners would have been just like, just blown away. Because even though they knew that Solomon had blown it right at the end of his life, Solomon was the great teacher of Israel. Solomon was the wisest man to ever live. And, 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 this, and, and this just um, seemingly anonymous, homeless, who knows where he came from, cloutless carpenter is saying one greater than Solomon is here? When Jesus says, then and now, one greater than Solomon is here, he's saying this, and I hope you can hear it this Christmas. If you really want to flourish, if you really want to thrive, listen to me. If you really want to live and experience God's best, follow me. So much of the known world came to hear the wisdom of Solomon, but all the world can hear the wisdom of Jesus if they want to. This baby whose birth we celebrate, this baby who was born in a manger, his wisdom is greater than even Solomon. Wise men came from the east and bowed down and worshipped him as their newborn king. But his kingdom is not a kingdom of armies and wealth. His kingdom is a kingdom of changed hearts. And here's, this is the mind blower, okay? The baby whose birth we celebrate this time of year, the baby who was born in a manger is right here, right now. In this very room. And he's saying to you. I love you. I want you to have life. I want you to flourish. And I want everyone who knows you to flourish. Because they know you. Ask me for my wisdom. And I'll give it to you. Let me all the way into your life. All the way into your life. Don't say accept to me. Follow me, give me your life, all of it, and I personally will live inside you and guide you in the ways that you need to go to flourish. We used to sing this other song in church when I was growing up. You might recognize it. It went like this, and I keep thinking about this as I was thinking about the word accept. The song went like this. All to Jesus I surrender. All to Him I freely give. I will ever love and trust Him in His presence daily live. And the chorus went like this. I surrender all. 
I surrender all, all to Thee, my blessed Savior, I surrender all. I don't know what you want for Christmas, but I think I know what God wants for you. He wants you to love Him and follow Him with a heart of wisdom. And a heart of wisdom doesn't keep on saying, except one far greater than Solomon is here. Oh, come, let us adore Him. The one lying in a manger comes to us so that we might come to Him and surrender all. All. Let's pray. God help us. It's hard. I know people are going through things that I don't have any idea about. And I know that people are going through things that I have some idea about. Life is so hard. But help us to know that you, that you are out to bless us. That you are out to help us to flourish. And right now, Lord... I, on behalf of myself, I renounce my accepts. With every eye closed, mine included. If, if you receive this message today, if you will renounce your accepts today, those places where you say, I'm a Christ follower, accept. If you renounce all of your accepts, if you will surrender all as he gives you strength, would you hold your hand up? I'm not looking. Lord Jesus, for everybody whose hand is extended in this place, we receive your word. Help us to have hearts of wisdom that don't say accept. Help us to surrender all to you because you have surrendered all for us in Jesus. And in Jesus' name, everybody said? Amen.